0: On this brand new episode of the Compete Everyday podcast, I'm talking with Coach Jimmy Nelson about the power of story. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset. so, you can build your winning life. Text podcast to 972 945 to join our morning motivation club and visit competeveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. What's up, competitor nation? Welcome back to the Compete Everyday podcast. Jake here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and excited today to get to introduce to you uh, Coach Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy has an incredible story of how he went from incredibly overweight, uh, victim mentality life just not going his way, as well as him not making the decisions to go his way, to transforming not only his body by working through Beach Body, but his mind, and getting out of that victim mentality and getting into the victor one. And what it's done for his life and now his thriving coaching business as he helps business leaders, real estate agents, entrepreneurs, you name it, tell a better story. Because the power of story, the ones we tell others, and very importantly, the ones we tell ourselves, influence how we show up and the opportunities that we have to win. So today's a high-energy, fun conversation. You're going to be inspired, encouraged, but most of all, Jimmy's going to talk about his transformation and how we can apply some of that same stuff to start transforming the stories we tell ourselves. As a loyal listener of the podcast, I want to give you a quick heads up that we are just a few days away from the annual Black Friday release, and I hope you're ready. This year's release hits shelves for everybody in our text community club and in our Facebook group on Monday, November 22nd and heads out to the general public on Tuesday, November 23rd. So if you're in the morning text club, it's free to join. All you have to do is text the word podcast to 972-945-9113 or you're part of our free Facebook community at CompetitorNation.com. You will get early access on all the new limited styles. These designs, they've got some swagger, they've got some attitude. It's definitely a strong step uh, for us in a new direction and I'm very excited about these. Man, if anything, these new shirts and these new designs will just empower you. They'll help you uh, hit the ground running every day. They're going to give you a little bit of attitude to show up and compete today. Because here's the truth, some people want it and some people don't. And the ones that want it, they're willing to compete and go get it. And so if that's you, I hope that every time you put on one of these new styles, you just feel emboldened and empowered to show up and do work regardless of what life tries to throw your way. Because you know, if you haven't won yet, it's only a matter of time. If you're facing an obstacle, it's inevitable that you will conquer it. That rain or shine, win or lose, victory or defeat, no matter how big the obstacle, you will keep showing up and competing until you win. That's the attitude. That's the swagger. That's the mindset behind this Black Friday collection. And so mark your calendars. If you're in the text club or community, get ready Monday when it hits shelves live. If you're not in one of those two groups, you should be. And otherwise, you can wait till Tuesday morning when it hits shelves, but we'll be running deals all week long. You can save up to 20% on bundling, and I've even created some fun giveaways for every order, including some brand new Compete Everyday keychains, pop sockets, flags, and more exclusively for anyone grabbing some new gear on that Black Friday collection. So get ready and mark your calendars. We're almost there. Now let's get into this week's show with my man, my new friend and your guest today, Coach Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy, welcome to the Compete Everyday podcast.
1: Hey, what's up man? I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, this man, this interview we probably could have had it forever ago. Like we laughed about offline that we've been connected on social. We know a ton of the same people. We run in the same circles. We do a lot of the same things. We're both DFW area. Uh, we've even talked, you know, my wife's a Sooner. You're a Sooner. Sooner. Yeah. My heart during football season all the time of being surrounded by Sooners. Uh, (laughs) yeah, there's so much, so much going on And today's guests or today's listeners, I should say are in for a treat. Before we dive into your just wild ride that I know you've had over the last years, uh, tell everybody a snapshot of what you do today. uh, And then I just kind of want to start peeling back.
1: Yeah. So I guess if we start from the end, before we go back, I I work with business owners. I work with business owners and I help them get more clients. End of the story. Now, the way that I do that is a little different. I help business owners and entrepreneurs get more clients. By learning how to craft a story, a personal story, because I I truly believe that everyone has a seven-figure story if
0: it's well-crafted, and that's what I come along and help people do. So Okay, so before we dive into some of the personal side of your journey, I've got to know what inspired you to go down the route of helping people tell better stories. And, And the reason I position it that way is because there's really only, in my experience and what I'm aware of, like two other people that do that one is tampson webster who focuses on the red thread portion of how you tell your message more than Mm -hmm. your story and then donald miller and miller i've talked about on the show before because his book a million miles in a thousand years like changed my life and and really started me on this journey so i'm curious i'm always curious where the power of story came in for you and and then translating that into others
1: okay well this starts with the personal side then this whole thing started when I was in the first grade, the first grade growing up in West Texas, fat little kid in the first grade. And this was now where in
0: West Texas?
1: Lubbock. I grew up in Lubbock. Okay.
0: So in Lubbock, not one of the little nope, ropes no, no. land uh, anywhere. First outside. grade at Murphy Elementary
1: School. Okay. In Lubbock, off the loop. Yeah. If we're getting real yep. specific, I mean, we may have lost half
0: the listeners that were like, I don't so, know where this is. So my is. mom grew up in Ropesville. That's where I spent summers as a kid. So How I do know we not
1: know each other. Before I know, now. I know that area really well.
0: Crazy, man.
1: Okay, first grade, elementary, Murphy Elementary, first grade. This is early 80s, so this was before there was like a childhood obesity epidemic. I literally am the fat kid in my class. And I think I was like the only kid I knew kind of publicly who came from a broken home. You know, like, I'm sure the divorce rate might have been the same. It just wasn't as public. So I I say that because fat kid, not a lot of confidence, first grade, and the entire elementary school was going to do a Christmas play, and each grade was going to do a different um, like scene or number in my first grade class got picked to do a musical number called too fat for the chimney. And it was this epic story of how Santa Claus was not going to be able to deliver uh, presents because he couldn't get down the chimney because he didn't too fat for the chimney. But Jake, man, I thought, here's my shot, fat kid, not a lot going for me right now. But if somebody's got to play fat Santa Claus, it's me. And they picked my best friend, Justin Martin, who was a popular kid, skinniest kid in class, wrapped a bunch of pillows around him, and they shoved him upstage. For those people who don't know what upstage is, that's like away from the audience, safe. And the rest of my friends all dressed up in like 1980s Jane Fonda, um, like Jazzercise aerobics outfits with like the headbands and the leg warmers. And so they're all upstage doing like a step routine. Yours truly, Fat Little Jimmy. My granny made me uh, this pajama outfit, like onesie feedy pajamas, like zipped up and had the drop bottom in the back. And they pushed me to the edge of the stage. And I had to sing the solo, Too Fat for the Chimney. And the minute I opened my mouth to sing that song, it was something like, too fat for the chimney, too fat for the chimney. I had people that started smiling and nodding their head. And it was the first time in my life I got a positive emotional response from a peer group, and when I look back on my journey, I realized in that moment that I realized that if I could tell a story or if I could be in front of an audience and I could get them to actually change their mind about something, could feel a different way, there was real power in that. I didn't realize I was telling a story. I didn't realize what was happening in that moment. When I look back on my 15 year career and way before that, where this whole thing started, it was all these little nuggets along the way that showed me The power of storytelling and literally getting an emotional response from an audience that not only can motivate, I mean, like inspire them. And you know, this with like your branding and stuff, it's not about just getting raw, raw. It's how do we change their mind? How do we get them to take different action? And I truly believe storytelling is the quickest way to do
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you're right. The, the motivation getting everybody excited, it's great, but it fades with Zig Ziglar motivations like bathing. You got to do it daily. every day. It's the transformation. The transformation starts with the stories. One, we're telling others, but more importantly, the stories we tell ourselves, you went through backing up kind of to that period or maybe fast forwarding a little bit. You went through a pretty drastic physical change in your lifestyle as well and and have had a a really cool journey that I I know pieces of from from our relationship online and and getting to see some of that but love to see kind of at what point you decided I need to change the story I'm telling myself about who I am or how physically I live from a health standpoint and take us on a little bit of that ride. Yeah and so so if I go from that moment that fat
1: first grade kid you know and here's Here's what stinks. I think all, I think at every one of our lives, at some point, we've had that feeling in our gut of what we know what we're good at. We know the gifting that we've been given, but we immediately create a list in our heads of why we can never do that, right? If I knew I was supposed to be on stages and in front of people, and this, a stage is what I'm doing right now. It may be a physical stage, it may be this. And I immediately had a list of, but Jimmy, you're too fat. You're not real comfortable on stage. There's other people that are better at this than you. And what it did is it literally, planted a seed of really, I'd say bitterness in me. And I got really good at having this victim mentality of why success was available and easier for other people. Oh, of course he's having success. You don't understand. He has X, Y, Z. When I tried to get into college and I wanted to try to perform, man, we didn't have the money for me to even audition where I wanted to go. And once I got into college, it was, oh, of course I'm not doing as well. Like I'm trying to hold down two jobs these people don't have to do that, and so I just always had a reason, an excuse, and and I became where there was problems, I physically would leave. So I went from a two year school here, bolted to OU, went to the University of Oklahoma, bolted from there to work at Disney World for two years, went to another college until I found myself as a hundred pound overweight, three time college dropout, and I'm in Florida, and my mom picks up the phone and says, "Hey, Jimmy." All the letters from the collection agencies and debt collectors are piling up here at home. We're worried about you. We think you should move home. And man, I wanted to like bow up and say, no, mom, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to fight. And I had this big overcome story. And I just surrendered, man. I was just like, you're right. And I moved back here. So they'd moved to Dallas by then. I'd moved back here. I'd stop performing. I'm waiting tables at a bar off Trinity Mills in the tollway here in Dallas and I just went, I gave up my dream altogether. I was just surviving each day. And the moment was, I was getting ready to go work a shift at a job I hated. I was upstairs at my parents' house, took a shower, wrapped the towel around me. And normally I would just scurry past the mirror. And you know, hundred pounds of weight, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time looking at yourself. And for whatever reason that day, I just stopped. And I looked at myself and I didn't respect the guy looking back at me and I thought, who's going to love this? He's like, "Like, if you don't change, Jimmy, this this is your life. You're 22 years old now, man. And I think that was the first time, Jake, to be real honest with you, that was the first time I stopped pointing fingers, and I took 100% responsibility for where I was in my life. And as you know, like you just said, with motivation, it's not like there was a huge lightning bolt strike, and I You know, I I transformed into Coach Jimmy in this version of me right then, but it became the first day that I was what I call, are you willing to be willing to like look at things a different way, to be coachable, to get some feedback? Because up to that point, I hadn't. And so for me, looking back that moment at my parents' house, it was at least started the journey of seeking other ways to do
0: things. I love that. And, and there's a couple of things you said there that I want to pull out a little bit. One of them, you talked about this is the stage, and we all have these limiting beliefs. And, and one of the things, and I'm sure you hear it all the time because you're out speaking, you're emceeing events, and the, you're uh, this upcoming weekend, I know you're working with Pete Vargas, and Vargas talks about stages and stages being everywhere. Mm-hmm. And stages not being as a speaker, you think, hey, this is just on a stage in front of audiences, Right. but it's it's on podcasts, it's doing interviews, it's being at your office. And so for those listening, because I get emails, I know you do too, about, hey, I want to be a public speaker. And one of the first things to say is just go get reps. Like you've got to get reps telling yeah. stories. People don't see that doing presentations in your office is a rep and talking in front of friends and family, like those are reps and those are opportunities and those are stages and so i love how you position that and wanted to pull a little segue out because i know we have people listening on here that just say hey i want to be more confident speaking i don't want to be a speaker but i want to be more confident great here's here's opportunities where you have stages almost every day to go get reps in i love the real quick before you go on i love that you
1: say that because um in the story workshops that i teach i always tell my clients at the end of our workshop i say The person that is going to win is the person that goes and messes this up first because you can't mess something up unless you take action. And unfortunately, we live in a society now where we take in the information, we watch all the YouTube channels, maybe we buy the online course, we even go to a two-day workshop and then we sit there and we think about it. And I talk about the very first time you tell this story, you don't want it to be high stakes. You don't want it to be that opportunity of a lifetime you want high quality practice with low quality, low quality stakes, basically low stakes, high quality. And so if that means just popping on Instagram and going live that day and two people show up or a Facebook live, that's perfect. That's perfect because you do have to get reps in it's falling. I had a, an acting, um, mentor that told me somewhere along the way, Jimmy, you got to fall in love with the process, not just the performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I actually laughed a week or two ago with some clients in Florida about just, we were going through sales and teaching mm-hmm. the process of getting more comfortable with sales. And I told them, I said, listen, getting the reps in now, well, it's ugly is big. Cause for me, like my first full year of speaking, I try to use an example on stage that I just seen, didn't know it well enough, messed it up mm-hmm. pretty bad to where, the athletes in the room, one of them was like, ah, actually it was this. Oh. And I was like, oh God. And, but I were, and I was like, I had that whole self-talk where I was like, oh, you're an idiot. Don't ever do like, what are you thinking? And then afterwards I had to reframe and say, okay, great at learning experience. Don't ever pull something out of your butt on the middle of the stage like that again. Yeah. And additionally, what a great chance to learn it here in front of Fifty college athletes instead of in an arena full of five thousand or fifty thousand people, like absolutely huge difference. Get out the ugly stuff. Get all the mess ups out. Get all the lessons in early. So I, I loved, love that. Second thing. So you talked about you went from a, a school out in Lubbock, uh, South Plains, by chance?
1: No. So I by the time we were here, so I yep. started two year school here in Dallas. I went to now it's oh, calling college, but it was Collin okay. County Community College. Back in the day, and that and then where I started.
0: And then OU, and then you were out in Florida at Disney World, right? Uh-huh. So along the way, even though you had the victim mindset, even though you were running, you were you're probably not making the best of decisions. What is something you remember during that challenging period of life that became a great lesson for you that you still have to this day? Or something that you remember doing, learning during that time that Had you not gone through that period, you wouldn't have realized it now or or used it now.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I haven't thought about it that way. But if I my right off the top of the head is that I kept taking swings, like even though I didn't have a lot of confidence, something in me kept making attempts, which would have been real easy for me being heavy, having all these excuses or what I consider they weren't excuses. They weren't complaining in my head. They were reasons. They were legit reasons, Jake, you know, and but I kept stepping out. Cause I never would, you know, I went and auditioned at Collin County. I went and auditioned at, uh, OU. I took that step to get in the Disney college program. So yeah, I kept taking, even if there were baby steps forward, I kept taking steps, you know, and there were a lot of failures and a lot of things that, that weren't working out. But if I look, if I look at it, all those steps, even when I felt like I was running from my problems or running from things that, that I ended up being the root cause of, I kept. Taking swings, you know? And so I think that there's a lot of people that just freeze, right? They don't take any action or they wait for that perfect time. And this was way before, you know, I was introduced to personal development and all the things that are kind of my mantras now. So thank God, for, you know, for whatever reason, at least I was willing to take baby steps forward back then, even with that victim mentality.
0: Well, and the reason I wanted to bring that up is a lot of times when we're in these periods that aren't the ones we want. Right. We're not currently living or the story that we want. We're going through these trials or going through these changes. It's a, it's really easy for us to neglect what's going on in that season versus looking at how am I getting better? What can I, what did I learn from that? Uh, you know, I chased what I thought was a dream career for a couple of years after college, like three or four years, wasn't at all, mm-hmm. but looking at some of the stuff I learned during that period had been incredibly valuable later in life. And so you talking about just the mentality of taking swings is huge. Yeah. And I heard Kurt Warner talk about this in an interview on a podcast with Trent Dilfer of when he sacked groceries. And everybody knows mm-hmm. Kurt Warner's story mm-hmm. when sacking groceries, working AFL to MVP hall of fame. He talked about, he just had the mentality as a grocer to every day, I'm going to do the best. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to stock the best shelf. And he said that mentality helped him in his training and his life. He just adopted it. Then the fact that he played in the AFL is what really he built the skills he needed to be successful in the NFL. And you would never think about it, but what made him so good in the NFL are the things that he became good at in the AFL. And so Mm -hmm. these periods of suck in our life. Yeah, they suck. You don't have to love them. Look back on them. You wish some things had gone differently, but there's something there that help us throughout the course of our lives. If we'll take the time to look back on it from the standpoint of, what did I learn? What do I want to do better next time? Instead of living in that story, like I know you see all the time of we're continuing to live and replay a bad story instead of drawing a line in the sand and writing a new one. So yeah. I, I wanted to hit on that. So you you decided you became willing to try something else to change it. This is where the story gets a little wild for me. So where did you get introduced to that beach body? Like where did that path start and then how did you go this is what i'm curious about how'd you go from just someone using it and and watching the videos to doing the exercises to heavily involved with it
1: yeah so okay so that, that idea so i have this sticky note that looks at me every day it's this idea of are you willing to be willing right they had that moment of so here's what's crazy when we just change what we're willing if we're just willing to be willing if we're willing to be open to things that aren't the way we've thought it's crazy how the universe will show you something that's already been there the whole time. So I told you I'm waiting tables in North Dallas at this job. I hate, I have this moment. I go to work and a buddy of mine, I just kind of noticed that he's been losing weight, you know? And this is where I, I always tell my female clients, I envy the ladies because they're so good at seeing what's working for the other person. And like, Hey, what's the makeup? What is your hair? How are you losing weight and stuff? And we dudes, I don't just roll up and be like, yo, Jeremy, you're looking pretty good in them jeans, man. What are you doing? So, so I sat there and I watched this dude have something, it's success in something that I want, but my ego and my pride won't let me ask. And I watch and I watch and I watch him finally, like we're over rolling silverware one day and I roll up just, it's just he and I, and I'm like, all right, man, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm doing these DVDs. And literally, Jake, like the minute he said, like the last D got out of his mouth, I'm like, no, I'm not doing your Jane <laughs> Fonda workout, which again, think about it this way. We see somebody that has something that we want. We ask them what they're doing. They tell us and we immediately tell them why, it, well, that, that doesn't work for us. Those things don't work. That doesn't work. That it's crazy. And because I was that guy, I could never do that.
0: Yeah. I, it's like you CrossFit now. It's like, uh, I could never do that.
1: Whether, yeah, or a business or people like, oh, I built a YouTube channel or, oh, I started a podcast. Oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, I got involved in network marketing. Oh, that stuff doesn't work. It's like, yep. when you look at somebody having actual success in something. So that I was that guy, but I kept watching and I tell people this, like if you introduce something or you're trying to build something and people are telling you, oh, that doesn't work, or they're being uh, very judgmental, you just keep rolling because there's some people that are just going to keep watching. And if, the, if you If you allow yourself to get derailed every time somebody says no or is critical of what you're doing, yeah, you're never going to get traction, but there's, there will be a percentage of people that could say no and keep watching. And so I kept watching it, kept getting results. So finally I'm like, all right, tell me about your Jane Fonda DVDs. And he's like, they're not Jane Fonda. Uh, And that was my introduction to Beachbody. And it was, it was two DVDs. It was set called Power 90. We're talking pre P90X days. This is
0: way back in the day.
1: And you know what's crazy? It was like a $60 DVD set. And it might as well been $6 million to me because I was broke as a joke. I was probably about $60,000 in debt. But what it did is it set me up with a, a simple system for success. I was following these two DVDs, pretty simple little meal plan because I was really intimidated to go to the gym. I tried these other things. I didn't want to roll in there. But Jake, the other thing we're talking, this is 2007 little pre like social media, but I got plugged into like their message boards and I got plugged into a community and I got plugged into a community of people that believed in me before I believed in myself. And I'd pop in there and it was the first time I allowed some people to not only encourage me, but to hold me accountable. And I just had never done that before in my life. Anytime somebody would kind of call me out, even in a loving way, I get super defensive and I'd bail. And I just watched these people in there, and I could tell that they, they were coming at it because they cared. And so I start having a little success, and it's crazy. Those first five pounds come off, and you're like, okay, well, this works. What else can I do? And so it wasn't like this huge lifestyle change overnight. I see this all the time, like, you know, we're coming up on holiday season where everybody's like, I'm going to go from zero to 100. I have to be perfect. you going to make it like, no, no, no. maybe two weeks. And they get two weeks in, and they put so much pressure on themselves. And yes, like if you follow Jake or you follow me on social media, like these guys have some crazy schedules. I'm sure we do, but you don't understand how many baby steps these, what we do now is. So I was doing these tiny little things and then I would add and then I would add and I started getting my confidence back and I started plugging in and here was the other crazy thing. So there were people on this message board that were just a few weeks ahead of me, right? And so it wasn't that they were the experts. It wasn't, they were the most ripped dudes in there. They were just a few weeks ahead of me. And I'm losing five pounds, 10 pounds here, there. And then as I continued to plug in, there were people that started after me asking me questions. And I'm like, why? I'm, I'm still fat. I still got this much weight to go because I didn't think that I could help somebody else until I got to the finish line or my goal. And this was the big lesson for me was, and I tell this in my, in, in, you know, in my storytelling with my clients and in my workshops is, you only have to be a couple steps ahead of somebody In order to help them, you don't have to be the best in your industry. You just have to be, if you and I were going to read a book, if I, you know, if I, if I took, you know, if I took, I don't even know if I took the four agreements, right. Yep. I could coach you on the four agreements. As long as I'm three pages ahead of you, I could coach you if I'm three pages ahead. And so I think that was the big aha to me. And so I thought, oh, so there was this, all of a sudden I was bracketed with these people pulling me along and these other people I was helping. And so that created this bracket where I didn't tap out because I didn't want to let down the people that I was encouraging because I didn't want to quit for them because I was telling them, hey, keep going, you got this. And then I had other people challenging me saying, hey, Jimmy, I see something great in you. You can step up your game. And this bracket, I think was what changed because I'd quit everything. I quit, you, as a kid, taekwondo, uh, band, soccer, art. Like you, I, I was really good at quitting stuff.
0: And this was the first time I stuck with something. And so sticking with it. So this is one thing I'm curious about along those lines is, was it, was it the community was because any, any weight loss fitness journey, you hit plateaus, Mm -hmm. you hit a sticking point and you're still getting better but it takes a little bit longer to get Mm -hmm. that next gain, that next jump. And, and, you know, you see this, it doesn't matter what fitness level you're in, you get a quick start and then you plateau for a little bit. And you've got to learn to break that up. When you hit those plateaus in this, was it the community that kept you going? Was it your focus? What what allowed you to keep showing up? Because I feel like that's where a lot of people drop off is some come out of the gate going hundred miles an hour they burn out so fast they're done. We see Mm -hmm. this every year when 80, 84% of people give up on resolutions before January 21st. Yeah. Then you have those people that they put in work for a little while, but after a month or two months, they just, they're not seeing results or they got early wins and then they just haven't. And so they think they're doing something wrong and so they quit. When you hit those plateaus, what kept you continuing to show up? It was this mindset
1: shift of being coachable for the first time in my life. So the fact that this community, and I started either, invest, either investing in mentors or having people in my community that were a few steps ahead of me, that when I would get to these points that in the past, I would have bailed and said, oh, I've hit a plateau. Oh, I'm frustrated. Oh, this isn't as easy of them telling me this is part of it. This is what you go through. This is how you have to get and just continuing. You know what the problem with success is? A little bit. The problem with success is a little bit because the minute you have a little bit of success, Sometimes you don't stay coachable. I, you yep. know, in my beach body career, I almost was more fearful for that person that came in and killed it in their first month because I was like, mm, are they going to stay coachable? Are they going to think it's always this easy? Are they going to stay coachable when it gets hard? It's the same thing of, uh, I had somebody ask me, you know, I'm really proud of, you know, losing over hundred pounds and keeping it off for over a decade. And I'm like, Jimmy, why do you think that is? And I said, You know what's interesting? Most of the people that I've worked with are trying to recapture some previous version of themselves. I want to be like I was in high school. I want to try to recapture some prime version of me. Well, that wasn't me because let's think about that. The the high school athlete or the person that everything was like rocking in high school or college. Okay, we'll use fitness. Always fitness is a great analogy. The, The high school athlete that could eat whatever they wanted to and they still were an amazing athlete. They weren't having to live with the consequences of bad choices. I, on the other hand, my whole life was staring at the consequences of my bad choices. So I have never been trying to recapture some version of me. I'm chasing some version of me that I don't even know, I don't know when I'm gonna peak. I will turn 44 next month. I'm in the best shape of my life. I, I love my business, like things are good, but I'm like, what if there's another level? And what if there's another level? And it's this idea of staying coachable because there's somebody else that's going to show you that next level, and it keeps us from getting—I don't know—just trying to not not getting discouraged, but getting excited about what happens. I guess somewhere along the way, I've turned the corner of instead of looking at this as punishment, it's falling in love with that process. It's it's what's the next step, and for me, that's exciting. I feel like I'm just getting started at 44, as opposed to where I was at 24 years old.
0: Well, and and you know the hard work involved is an opportunity it's not a punishment right and if you if you embrace the idea of doing the work to climb and enjoying that process you see the opportunity of growth of who you can become of scratching that potential that we love to talk about here versus it's a punishment to have to keep working keep climbing it's it's what you're doing is creating a better self to show up better for others and if the story is not just about you that's obviously the biggest impact is how do you become better to show up better for friends, family, kids, spouse, you name it. Sure. So shifting gears. So you you built this incredible transformation physically, mentally along the way, the same process is happening for you. Take us into this idea of starting, your own coaching business? Because I know you were obviously coaching and mentoring people through Beachbody, Mm -hmm. but then you've stepped out of that now and you're working with leaders, with individuals, with coaches, with other people who want to tell better stories. Where did that transition start to happen? Well, I love early, you talked about that you had chased a career
1: that you thought this was your dream career. And it was like, it wasn't, but it was prepping you for the next thing. So- Lose the weight, get really involved in the Beachbody community to the point where I moved to New York City to pursue my acting career. Like that dream, that, that first grade dream re sparked in me. Go to New York City. That's when Beachbody launched the, the business side. They didn't start as a network marketing company. I didn't know what you're, I was getting into. You're in some demo videos, right? I'm in the Insanity DVDs with Shanti. We shot those in New York about a decade ago. And I'm in a pio with Shalene Johnson. And I used to go do QVC with Tony Horton to promote uh, P90X. All of a sudden, I'm living this life that I, that I never thought was going to be where I was. I didn't know anything about business. My, my track record said I quit everything. I dropped out of college three times. I had no resume of saying, Jimmy's going to be successful. Just continued to show up, introduced to personal development. And I start building my business online because I was working on a TV show in New York City. And we'd have this downtime right when Facebook launched to everybody. And so little by little, I, I finally start getting some traction. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm continuing to get mentorship. I've always, even when I couldn't afford it, it didn't make sense. I always wanted to learn from the best. So I found ways to invest in people. Even if that meant, look, I'm going to stick this thing on a credit card to get into this coaching program or find this mentor because it put my back against the wall of, I better perform. If I'm going to put this on the thing, I better perform. So I'm building this business online. I get a lot of traction. I become one of the top leaders in the company. I start speaking for them internationally and training. And I got to thank my dad. So my dad's watching what's going on on Facebook. And he's like, hey, my dad's been in real estate for over 30 years. he's like, hey, Jimmy, can you come talk to my agents about what you do? And I'm like, oh, cool. They I want to get in shape. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you do a great job. He's like, you really don't talk about your product or your service or the names of the things. But people continue to want to do business with you. How do you continue to attract an audience? And it's one of those things that sometimes we're so close to what we do, we don't realize it. And I stepped out and I go, oh, it wasn't like it was strategic. I was just doing what I had learned as an actor in my marketing. And it wasn't because I was just natural at it. I had all these thousands of hidden hours in scene study classes and commercial auditions in front of cameras. And I was just executing on Facebook and social media, what I'd been doing. So I, I go, okay, let me step. So I started studying real estate agents here in Dallas. So, oh, they're not storytelling at all. They're just showing me pictures of like their for sale by owner in their open house. I don't know who this person is. I just know who their broker is. So I went and did my first workshop there. And I just found that every time I said yes to go help and serve a different group of people. Now I've worked with, you know, Super Bowl champions and people that work at NASA and, and, financial advisors, you name it. Like what I realized is no matter what your business is, if you are out in a situation where, and it doesn't even have to be sales, storytelling is the quickest way to create no like, and trust with somebody. If that's somebody across the table from you in your team, if that's your boss, if that's literally getting prospects, if that's doing presentations, it was like, oh, I can teach the storytelling aspect because all these other people, so many of these professionals didn't have the opportunity to go do all the thousands of hidden hours I had. How can I, like Tony Robbins says, how can I take decades into days with people and just come alongside the business owner and show them, Hey, here's a few storytelling techniques to help move your audience. How, whether that your audience is prospects for sales for your product or service, or just within your own organization inside your team. And that's where this thing has continued to morph. And it's been exciting.
0: I love it. I love it. So Ideally now, because I know you're speaking all over, you're working th- this upcoming weekend with, with Pete Vargas, who, who is your ideal client? Who are the, the people that, you know, you're like, this is the people that I love to help tell a better story to.
1: Man, I know that we're always supposed to niche down, right? <laughs> and it, it's, it's that thing that we always talk about. And if you try to speak to everyone, you speak to nobody. You know who I like working with? those people that are coachable that realize they have a burning message in their gut that they have. So it's not just about business. It's that they want to leave a legacy. They really want to have impact somewhere and they're willing to say, Hey, teach me a different way of doing this or teach me something that I can add to my tool belt along what I'm doing. Because sometimes I'm coming along people that are already su- extremely successful and I'm always so impressed by these people that have huge organizations or from either aspect, if I'm working with somebody with a multi million dollar business or I'm working with a startup, somebody that's trying to like just launch their own podcast that are willing to be open to just saying, let me look at something a different way. I love coaching coachable people. And I get that because I went from being a, the most non coachable person ever to once I became coachable and I allowed people to push me. And I realized this, Jake, when I look backwards, whether it was a singing coach, my acting coaches or business mentors. My favorite ones were those ones that pushed me because they were so clear at saying it wasn't, it wasn't just coming back and like pat me on the head and tell me how great I was. It was Jimmy. I see something great in you, but we got to like, they wouldn't let me settle. It's like, they wouldn't let me be lazy and go good is enough because yep. Now you're, you're a pretty decent speaker or you got a little bit of charisma in you and you have something. It was like. Yeah, but you have this extra thing in you that I see in you. And that's what I love to come next to that business owner and that professional and say, you're doing great. But I see another level in you. And if I if my skill set combined with what they're already doing can take them to that next level, it is so stinking rewarding. It's what
0: I love doing. Love it. I love it. So now I have I want to switch gears slightly with a question for you before we wrap up. Because this is one we talk about a lot on the show, and, and it comes down to kind of identity, how we see ourselves, because how we see ourselves influences how we show up. And you were so dialed into that Beachbody community, and it, it helped transform your life. It transformed your body, your mindset. Now, I know you're active in a number of ways, Garage Jam, CrossFit. You do a number of different things now. Sure. But it's not always the case for a lot of us transitioning from something we've known and done and been identified with, especially in community to something different. Athletes struggle with it when sports are over of not being the athlete anymore in terms of being on a team. Crossfitters struggle with it. If they ever leave CrossFit, how do they see themselves as a person who does CrossFit versus a CrossFitter? Yeah. And I'm curious if you had any struggles transitioning out of that Beachbody, just everyday lifestyle to doing different things and who you were, um, or was your identity being forged and reshaped along the way of, I'm Jimmy, this is just something I do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I was actually really
1: rare in the Beachbody community because people would find their trainer or their thing. Maybe they worked with Chalene Johnson, or they were a shantee T guy, or they were And I always tried all the programs. And somewhere along the way, I tried to become a bit of a a fitness Swiss Army knife because I just was like, what's the next skill? What's the next thing to learn? Like you want to talk about from the guy that I was to now it was what's the next skill? Like when people tell me people don't change, what I realize is I can't change somebody, but people can change because I am a different animal than if somebody met me 15, 20 years ago.
0: As you should be.
1: And, and I've, I've fallen in love with, with the process of the growth. And so it's a great question. So it wasn't a matter of me of leaving beach buddy to do this other thing. I still have a great team. I'm still like active in that community, but I just wanted to continue to challenge myself. It was right before I turned 40. I decided I was going to run a half marathon and I found my CrossFit coach.
0: And I went to him and I trained for the half marathon. Huh? Did you train for the half marathon? I did. So yeah, you had me beat on that one then.
1: Yeah, I, I trained <laughs> for the half marathon. And it was and, and when I started working with my my CrossFit coach, I said, look, I called it project no ego. I was like, I'm curious about this. I'm not trying to come and move in the most weight. I want to learn a new skill set. And I was like, if we just work with the PVC pipe forever, which we haven't, I mean, I've seen ridiculous gains. And so I use that as the same analogy of when I decided to expand my business. I have been known as the beach buddy guy, I've been known as Jimmy has a large network marketing team. And what I realized instead of looking at it as an either, or I would talk to people and ask them if they were interested in joining my team. And they're like, Jimmy, I think what you're doing is great, but maybe they didn't have any interest in, in building a fitness business or being a part of network marketing, which was completely fair. And then I always felt like I was stuck. I was like, I can no longer serve this person until I changed my mindset. And I'm like, what if you had a different offering that allowed you to serve people? Cause once I realized, Oh, what I'm doing with my Beachbody people, I can help that real estate agent. I can help the person with the podcast. I can help the person that's the financial advisor or the coaching program or whatever their thing is. So for me, it allowed me to create another silo to go help more people, which what did I have to do? I had to level up my game because I was really good at te- talking health and fitness marketing with people or health and fitness storytelling. So I had to get better at what I did in order to to serve a bigger audience. But so many people, we get stuck because we're identified as something. And like, what if I leave? Am I going to lose this thing? And I get it. It's scary. But again, it's not all or nothing. I didn't make this. I didn't burn down this building to go build this one. It was, okay, this is the silo that I've built now. And I'm going to use this little extra time to baby steps start working with this real estate agent or working with this financial advisor or working with this CEO or that team. And then eventually it all got built up. So there's people that work with me now that don't even realize that my background was in Beachbody anymore. It's not like everybody's done insanity. I'm like, Oh, you're Jimmy with the good squats from the insanity DVD. <laughs> I get that occasionally, but it's, but for me, it's just been so great because it's not an either or an all or nothing situation. It's how do we create enough different things that, that our bandwidth can be used. But at the end of the day, it's about serving and helping as many people as we can. And I like that as an opportunity.
0: Yeah, and, and that also ties into, you know one of the things I've talked to folks about before is our business has changed dramatically over the last 10 years is if the mission is the same, if the focus for you, helping people change lives, change mm-hmm. their stories, if that stays the same, you look for those other opportunities that fit that. And it becomes very easy to create things as well as to say no to things when you know, does this align with what I'm trying to do? And you're willing to take some of those gambles because it's in pursuit of that mission and it all kind of ties together. Um, And I love the idea you talked about. It wasn't just like burn this all down and go do that because a lot of people think, you know, if I want to start my business, if I want to start coaching, if I want to do this. I've got to get rid of everything else and go all in. I'm going to go all in on being a speaker. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, go do it for a year for free. Like, just get reps and do it on the side of your job and then build it just like you want any side hustle. So that's incredibly encouraging to hear as well. Dude, one of my favorite quotes real
1: quick is Jim Rohn talks about you work full-time on your job while working part-time on your fortune, right? And so it's, and I came up with that all the time, helping people with the network marketing world because they're like, oh, I have to quit my job to start that. No, 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 start it part-time. And so that goes for anybody wanting to start something on the side from where they are. Give, give that time to the job that's paying the bills right now, but you have more extra time to build this passion project, whatever that is for you, little by little on the side.
0: Man, we, I just posted about it this weekend, but... 15 minutes on Saturday, 15 minutes on Sunday, a half hour every weekend ends up with an entire 26 hours over the course of a year. That's over a day of productivity. So think about 15 minutes every day working on something, how many days you're adding to your schedule with just that small window before work, after work, at lunchtime something along those lines. Dude, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, one we're going to have to jam again, as well as we got to talk whiskey at a later date. Cause I know oh, you do. have a whiskey show I do. Uh, and, and that's I'm a, all that's about, another side project. That's so another side project. Yeah. Whiskey and and mescal. Those are my worlds as well. So, uh, but where can listeners get connected with you? Where's the best place to follow you on social? And then where's the best place to find out more about your coaching programs and how they can start doing a better story.
1: Sure. If you're going to follow me on social, just follow me on Instagram at the Coach Jimmy, um, message me there. It's me all day long. And so I'm happy to answer any questions. If something I've said has struck a chord with you and you're like, Jimmy, I don't even know if I have a story. I've put together a, it's basically a checklist. Just go to StoryWellCrafted.com. what it is. It's a little PDF you can download to your phone. What it does is it just asks you a few questions, gets you thinking about some things maybe you haven't thought about and how to put that story together. And what that means is you have a starting point and you realize that you do have a story, even if you didn't think you did with this checklist. So just go to storywellcrafted.com and start going through that checklist today and you'll be shocked at the stories you come up with.
0: Love it. I love it. Jimmy, man, thank you so much for hanging out on the show this week.
1: Thanks, Jake. I really appreciate it. Until next time, we'll talk whiskey.